So I know with everything I've got going on, how do you manage the, everything from the, the team's vision, the team's direction, uh, the sub stack, the, the learning group? How do you kind of juggle these things and still make them effective? I want to share with you and then everybody who might be listening the why. Why do this thing that seems above and beyond when you've got two jobs, when you're focused on your relationships, when you're focused on your physical and mental health, I think it's because it's just like the most, oh, it's hard to say, like awe-inspiring or the most invigorating thing to be able to talk about your passions. And when your passions are helping people and seeing potential in other people and wanting to bring them to that potential, like it's like the most fulfilling thing for me. And so outside of my work, which is also fulfilling in their own ways, my true sense of fulfillment comes from helping people be better themselves and be better leaders and be better professionals. And so through paving the way, I've started to see how my team can develop and how I can develop as a leader just by being in the same room with you guys and you teaching me so much. And I think the thing that keeps me committed to it beyond the how, the how is you figure it out. You know, the how you do it is you make it work. You put this much time in this day, you put that much time in that day. When you have free time, you put an extra work. That's how you do it. The why you do it is what really inspires the people around you to do their best because they see you doing your best and they're like, okay, he has all these responsibilities. Why the hell is he doing it? The reason is because, you know, you find joy in it. You find fulfillment and you find that it is calling to a deeper purpose within you. So I know I didn't completely answer your question, but I would love if you had any comments or if, if you wanted to follow up with another question. Yeah. Uh, like those are two important questions, how and the why. Uh, you need to identify with a why you need to have that thing that pulls you out of bed even when you don't want to. Even when you want to say five, four minutes, it's no, I'm getting up right now. Why? Because, and that why has to be strong enough. Um, I know in the past I've dealt with whys that weren't quite strong enough to pull me and I learned the hard way like, okay, that wasn't it because it didn't get me to keep moving when things got difficult. Mm -hmm. So then my question to you would be, how do people identify or define that really strong why? How do they find something that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt is their why? Mm. So there's a few things that I wanted to touch on with that question. The first is that it's like people have to search for what that why is. Sometimes it is an inclination or you feel like you're being pulled in a certain direction, right? And you always want to go with what that is. It's like if you're in an ocean, you want to go with the stream, you want to go with the waves, you want to go with the water. It's the same way in life. Like naturally, there are things that will start pulling you in directions. Follow up with that. See how that goes. See if that's the direction you want to go in, right? That's kind of a part of it that's not as specific as I can be. But a part of it also is being aware. Self-awareness is, I think, the first step. Thinking about it often, talking to other people about it are ways that you can start identifying your why, right? So you, you will learn from other people what their why is, and that will inspire you in other ways. But you also learn what you don't want, you know, through talking to people. Um, I enjoy like reading books, listening to podcasts, and that helps inspire me to understand new things. I think just lifelong learning is another one of those things that helps us discover new paths for ourselves. Um, and then 
I think as far as trying to discover what your why is, you never truly know for like absolute, like this is everything. Like you said, like without a certainty of a doubt, this is why. Like you always feel a bit of uncertainty about like where you're heading in life, whether that's a 15 year old, a five year old or a 55 year old, you know, nobody truly knows everything about their future. You never, but nobody knows exactly when they're going to die. They don't know how much time they have to accomplish some goals that they set out. And there's multiple things that you're striving towards. So you never truly know, is this the right thing to put my energy into? But you have to just, you know, be humble and knowing that you have to be humble and knowing that you don't have it all figured out. Nobody ever has it all figured out, but you also have to have like trust and faith that things will work out the way that they need to for you. So with all that said, you can never be truly certain about what that why is, but you can be more certain than not about what's pulling you uh, towards your future. The, the reality is as humans who have limited knowledge bases, mm. you can't know, you can't know for sure but that is part of living is stepping out and like you said, having faith. And I think a key part of that is what you said about a lifelong education. It's about what you come, what you put in your head and in your thought, because what you think is how you speak and how you speak is how you'll be, you know? And I think too often it's really easy for us to be distracted with, I mean, with social media, with streaming platforms, it's so easy to take like to get off of work, to get home, you're tired, you shower, you eat. And it's just so easy to fill your mind with things that don't press you, things that don't challenge you to think about some of these harder questions, these more thought provoking questions. And mm -hmm. so when you do that, it's kind of, you kind of go on autopilot. And I think when you go on autopilot, that's kind of when you stop living. Yeah. Like, if I didn't feel like I was thinking about these things and kind of starting to prepare, prepare prepping my mind um, for these kinds of conversations, for these tasks, I would feel a lot more uncertain and I'd be a lot more nervous mm -hmm. about what my future entails because I didn't have a direction that I was going because I didn't spend time thinking about it. So I hope that's what people are going to get from this is you know, to have those, to have these thoughts, to think through these things, to kind of dive into those, um, like you said, self-awareness, mm -hmm. having self-awareness to understand what is it that I'm going, what am I living for? Why am I living? Like, am I, why am I working? Why am I doing this and that? Like, instead of just kind of pushing them to the side and repeating it the next day. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, and with that, I want to tap into one of the pieces that you posted on Substack, and I think sure. I think it was actually it was either the first or the second one, um, talking about Perma Plus, and yeah. in that as part of Perma, you have vital engagement, and yes. from what you just said there, um, I am betting, and please correct me, but I am betting that the active engagement is the mm -hmm. vital engagement that you're referring to there. Um, would you be able to? Is there anything more under sure. that? Like when, when we talk about vital engagement, is there anything more? Yeah, definitely vital engagement. So that's the E and the PERMA plus four model. It's engagement. So it essentially is positive engagement. And there is something that they've uh, psychologists have talked about, which is like vital engagement. And so as I'm saying, it's about how you interact with your day to day. That's the engagement aspect of it. But the vital part of it is it's 
interacting day to day and attaching meaning to those experiences. So it's meaning plus engagement is what vital engagement is. And so what researchers have found is that when you attach meaning to the things that you're engaging with, your activities in life, you enter a state of what's called flow. And so flow, you might have heard this term before. Um, it's a pretty popular term, like get going with the flow, getting into the flow of things. You probably have heard some of these mm -hmm. terms thrown around. But when you're engaging with things in a meaningful way, you have a tendency to lose track of time and to be completely engulfed in the experience, right? And so whenever you're vitally engaging with something or you're engaging in an active way with the things in your life by attaching meaning or by creating something out of those experiences, you're actually doing things that are helping your well-being because you're attaching new memories to your experiences, you're attaching new meaning, you're um, achieving some more positive emotions out of it. So you're probably finding more fulfillment in the experiences themselves than if you were to passively engage with some things. And so the idea of vital engagement is really about how do you find flow or this idea of being fully engaged with things in your life so much that it is meaningful to you and that it it's pretty much like you lose yourself in it. That's kind of the question of vital engagement is how do you change from just passively seeing things to actually being so immersed in the experience that it becomes like there's no difference between you and the experience. And the reason why that's so important is because it helps you find harmony with your life. And so that's why I really like that part of the perma model. Like we could talk about the whole model, we could talk about other things, but it's about how do you find harmony in day-to-day -day experiences? And I think, so I like the word harmony. Um, and I think a lot of people will be able to attach, uh, latch onto that um, because, you know, that resonates with peace. But I wanted to get back to, it sounds like that it's almost kind of limitless and it depends on your perspectives um, and how you create meaning, but you can attach meaning to just about anything. You can be vitally engaged in so many different ways, in so many different things, if you're creative enough about it, mm -hmm. if you can assign that meaning. Yeah, it's not so detached to think that it's like something outside of the engagement itself and something outside of the experience it's essentially like this like you have glasses on you put your lenses on of the world that's your worldview. how you attach meaning to things is choosing to see the light within the experience essentially i know this is metaphorical talk obviously but mm. meaning is essentially attaching significance that's probably the best synonym for meaning it's attaching significance um, to an experience so that it helps you comprehend the experience in a different way. I'm not waiting in line at, and in, in the drive through, I am patiently trying to engage myself while I am also waiting. And so like, there's different types of experiences that we have, like there's more experiences that push us into flow. One of which is music. Remember we, we talked a little bit about music, especially in the sub stack post. But there are certain things in our lives that naturally push us towards flow. So whatever is already kind of significant in some way, it has a tendency to pull us into that meaningful engagement. The hard part is how do you find flow or how do you savor everyday experiences that otherwise are ordinary? And so, for example, cleaning the dishes was one that we talked about in one of my classes. 
how do you find meaning with cleaning the dishes? And so it's like, eh, how do you find it significant? And it's like, what are the things in my life that I do find significant? I find joy significant. I find my relationship significant. I find music significant to me. And so how do you elevate cleaning the dishes is by you kind of are challenging yourself with the skill of what that's involved with cleaning the dishes and the task at hand, but you can do it ordinary things to help make that a more enjoyable experience. Like you can turn on music while you're cleaning the dishes. You can talk to a loved one while you're cleaning the dishes. You can watch your favorite show while you're cleaning the dishes and it can just make an ordinary experience a little bit more fulfilling. Um, so I don't think I answered completely your question about how do you make things meaningful because there's mm -hmm. infinite ways to do that. How I make things mm -hmm. meaningful is being thoughtful about the experience is the first part. And then trying instead of just letting things happen to me, trying to do things with those things, with those experiences. Um, I think your point about essentially making the mundane not only tolerable, yeah. but you know, putting significance behind it, right? And I think that's the thing that a lot of us, myself included, struggle with is seeing the purpose behind small individual tasks. And because we are unable to see a significance behind it, it's hard to put everything of your effort into it. And when that's the case, it can really feel like it's dragging. And it kind of sounds like, yeah, I, I mean, I've never done this, but people put cheese on their broccoli i think <laughs> is the thing, yeah. to try to to try to kind of like okay well i know the purpose of eating my broccoli i know i know the significance behind getting in this in my diet but man i really don't like broccoli like yeah. how can i how can i kind of sprinkle some uh, cheese on it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say for less for lack of a better word sugarcoat it yeah um to to give it significance that i can get through it and I think, like you said, being thoughtful. I think those yeah. are two, being thoughtful and giving effort are two yeah. things that are easier than we make them out to be sometimes. And yeah. they can make a world of difference um, in doing something and doing something the right way. Yeah, Trey, they make all the difference and it's something easy. It's essentially a change in your perspective on an experience. And so by changing your perspective, you have to know what you want the, out of the experience for me all of my experiences I want to maximize. I'm a maximizer. So the idea of, I want to find the most in the things I do. Some people don't have that perspective, but you can change your perspective towards that end. And when you're thinking in this way and you're finding less than you know, maximum fulfillment in it, you just ask yourself, what else can I add to this that I can find more joy, more happiness, more fulfillment in this mundane experience, like you just said. And so I want to communicate to everybody who might be listening is like, you do, you do things every day. You do things that you enjoy. You do things that are more mundane or ordinary or not as fun, you know, these things. But you have the power to make them more meaningful and to make them more significant just by attaching a different mindset to it, right? And so it's just essentially mm -hmm. being more mindful and shifting your mindfulness towards the positive end instead of the, oh, my gosh, this is such a drag. I hate doing the dishes. It's, okay, I'm doing the dishes while I'm singing my favorite song or while I'm talking to my favorite person in the world, or while I'm catching up with my parents. And it's like a simple thing that you can do. It takes a little bit of work to get your mind that way, but it makes truly all the difference. And I think I think you had a key point there at the end when you said it takes a little bit of work. Yeah. The great thing is 
there are so many things out there that are mundane and monotonous, tedious that you can practice on, you know, that you can, there are so many things in a given day and then in a given week and a month that you can practice, um, kind of making that shift in mindset. And as it gets easier, you'll start to realize how much power that your mind has. And Mm -hmm. once you're, once you've come to that realization, um, there's going to be very few things I believe that can stop you Um, because when you're able to find significance in the little things and the mundane things, Mm -hmm. it'll be all the more easier to find them in the things that really matter to you. And I think like you said, like that all comes down to the practice of changing and growing your mind and your perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's what we term mindfulness, which, we won't get into completely today, I'm sure, but I had an example from last night, which I wanted to share with you and share with the audience, which I thought is just like one of those simple things that people can do to find simple, like unsignificant things for significant. So I was taking out the trash last night. And if you, if anybody's like me, like that's one of the least favorite things that I do is like taking out the trash. It's like when I was a kid, I hated taking out the trash. I was like, Oh, it's such a drag. And I was taking out the trash last night and I had to walk out there twice to take it out twice. And I just look up at the stars and just by the simple task of looking up and seeing the beauty in the world, it wasn't bad. I was smiling while I was doing it. And like I was doing a simple task, taking out the trash, which is a boring, unsexy task. And I'm looking up at the sky finding, you know, it was nighttime. So it was just so beautiful, so clear, so warm. And I was just savoring the fact that the world was so beautiful. So it wasn't something that I necessarily had to say, okay, look up. It was just intuitive at that point. But people who aren't yet to that intuitive level of finding meaning in those things, one thing they can do is how can I find the beauty in the world when I'm doing unbeautiful things? So just thought I would share. And no, that's a great example. I actually have one because similar, I had to, I had to run into my car to grab something the other night. And I remember having to go out there. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot to have the car. <laughs> And so I'm already like, uh, and then I go out and I get it. And on the way back in the house, I see the moon and I, for, I like, it was, I forgot. It's like, oh, tonight's a full moon. And I actually stopped and sat there and like, just stared up at it for a few minutes, which normally I would never do. I wouldn't just stop outside at night because it's hot. In case you hadn't realized over here, it's hot here in Texas. Um, so including at night, so I normally wouldn't just stop. I'm already getting eaten up by mosquitoes as it is. Like I wouldn't just stop to sit there, but I just really kind of got lost in that moment. And this, I put significance to being able to see a full moon like this, being able to see, um, I mean, and just think about the vastness of space and just all the beauty and all that kind of stuff, you know, going through that little philosophical, uh, my, individual significance in this huge galaxy that whole little spiral in my head really quickly um but you know that chore of going to my car turned into a positive experience because of what i was able to see like ultimately attach it to so i think i think yeah finding those being able to identify those points of significance and attachment um can really make the difference in even just having a good day or a bad day I think I think we have more control over that than we tend to admit. And I hope 
we kind of start to push people in that direction of realizing just how powerful they 